0: Charlie Dunlap retired in 2010 as Deputy Judge Advocate General for the U.S. Air Force. He now teaches law at Duke University. General Dunlap, assuming the New York Times story is accurate, what are the legal ramifications of of greenlighting a project like this designed to destroy the infrastructure of a sovereign nation? If I may put it another way, is this legal?
1: Well, Aaron, as you know, in in the modern world now, were operating under the U.N. Charter. And the U.N. Charter basically only permits the use of force in two circumstances. One, where the U.N. Security Council authorizes it, or secondly, under Article 51, in a case of self-defense. And what gets complicated here is that when you look at Article 51, it talks about the inherent right to self-defense as a result of an armed attack. But there's an interpretation in international law that talks about anticipatory self-defense. And that actually goes back to an 1842 case. It's called the Caroline Affair and involves the destruction of a boat by the British uh, during an insurrection in Canada. And to make a long story short, the principle that comes out of that is that it's justified only where the necessity of that self-defense is instant overwhelming and leaving no choice of
0: means and no moment for deliberation, unquote. This all sounds a little bit squishy, though, doesn't it?
1: Well, it requires you to make some interesting assessments, specifically how imminent is this
0: threat. So step one essentially could be imminence.
1: Right. Number one, the rationale, I believe, is going to have to fall into the area of self-defense. And so if you're into that, then you have to make the further analysis that you're going to apply this concept of anticipatory self-defense, which, by the way, not everybody in the world believes in. And then the third thing you need to do is look at these elements of anticipatory self-defense, of which, as you point out, the imminence of the threat needs to be – Assessed, And I'm suggesting that perhaps when we're dealing with weapons of mass destruction, we need to have a different perspective on the idea of eminence in that you may only have these windows of opportunity and you have to, to seize them in a way.
0: Is there a difference, General, between... Uh, legally speaking, between the espionage and the self-defense, because it seems like the United States practices uh, an awful double standard when they wag their finger at China for uh, mucking about in American computers and, and suggesting that they will attack our infrastructure. And at the same time, they're attacking a sovereign country's infrastructure
1: espionage is typically not a violation of international law, but it is a violation of the domestic law of the targeted nation. So, in other words, if we catch a spy, we can try them, execute them, or whatever the maximum penalty may be. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily committing a war crime or or even an act which would necessarily uh, engage Article 51 of the UN Charter, because espionage typically is not an equate to an armed attack.
0: Uh, General Dunlap, is there any black and white at all? I mean, if, if a cyber attack leads to people dying or uh, poisoning of water systems or, or, or something like that, is that a case of, of black and white damage has been done, act of war?
1: In my judgment, that would be a use of force clearly in violation of the UN Charter. I think it's very clear that when you have physical destruction and the direct consequences result in the deaths of people, that you're into the traditional analysis that would, uh, would, that would authorize the use of force in response. Interesting thing is that the administration, I believe it was uh, last summer, uh, in one of their uh, policy documents, made the point that if the U.S. was a victim of a cyber attack, it would not necessarily limit its response to an in kind cyber counterattack they would
0: an actual physical uh, attack
1: yeah they in other words the whole tool chest of the us armed forces would be available to defend the nation notwithstanding the fact that the the strike whatever caused the destruction or death might have been through a cyber means that they were not going to limit their response. And that's perfectly consistent with law, but I think it is an interesting statement uh, meant to deter those countries who may have a sophisticated cyber capability. They need to know that the entire U.S. military has a number of capabilities and it's not limited to cyber.
0: Charlie Dunlap is a retired major general. He's executive director of the Center on Law, Ethics, and National Security at Duke University. General, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you.